Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for Proper Six in Year A. We are in the middle of a series called The Holy Ministry. You can read more about it in the Foundation Resources. In this series, we're thinking about how Jesus keeps calling people into his service, including into the public ministry of the gospel. Through his ministers, Jesus is showing his mercy, both to those whom he calls. Uh, we thought about that last week with the call of Moses. It comes up again in today's text. And mercy to those his called servants will reach with their message. And we'll hear more on that today as well. I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. Our preachers for this series are Pastor Peter Schlicht from Eastside Lutheran Church in Madison, Wisconsin, and Pastor Philip Moldenhauer from Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Madison, Wisconsin. Also with us today is Pastor James Tiefel from Trinity and St. John's in Mequon, Wisconsin. So thank you all for serving today. Uh, Peter, let's start with you. Our series is the Holy Ministry. Could you say a little bit about the theme of this second week of the series? Certainly. Thank you, John, for having me on the podcast. It is a privilege to be here. I'm thankful to be able to serve in this way. Uh, so last week, we talked about how the holy ministry is filled with sinners called by God, and we looked at that text from Exodus. Today, we continue the, the series as we see how the holy ministry demonstrates compassion for God's people. Uh, specifically, we have that, that word for compassion that is um, found five times in Matthew, and each time Christ is the subject, each time it moves him to do something. Uh, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. We hear in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. And that word refers to that type of care, that love that overwhelms. Uh, we can imagine a father looking at his little girl lying in a hospital bed near, Beth, near death. Um, the father heart aches, and the father would allow that surgeon to cut any organ out of him and transplant it into the daughter if that's what it took to save his girl's life. And that's the idea behind this word for compassion. Um, as Jesus feels that compassion, um, he not only inspires that in, in us as his hearers, but that compassion moves Jesus to move people. He sends out workers into the harvest field. He sends out pastors both then and today. And um, that's the focus of, of this week. Thank you for that summary, Peter. Uh, Phil, could we go to you next? We are going to be focusing on the gospel today for the sermon text. Could you give us a, a quick rundown of the first and second readings and mention how they're connected to the gospel? Yeah, absolutely. The first reading is from Numbers 27, verses 15 to 23. And it, this is Moses asking the Lord for his own successors, own replacement, and then Joshua being selected and appointed, commissioned to to do that. So um, natural tie-in here in a couple of ways. First of all, that uh, Moses, uh, um, he, he says that so that, you know, we need to do this so that the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So that's reflected in, in um, Matthew's commentary in the gospel there, that Jesus sees the crowds harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then I just broader, I think this is, it demonstrates exactly what what Jesus said, ask the Lord of the harvest and he will send workers out. So Moses makes this request and it's answered in, in the form of Joshua chosen to take his place. So clear connections there. The second reading, 1 Corinthians 4, the first seven verses, uh, not a surprise here as we're thinking about the, the public ministry. Um, 
we, uh, where Paul says, you, you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. It goes, it runs all the way through verse seven. And I think that there's another connection uh, to be made there at the very end in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, where Paul asks this question, what do you have that you did not receive? And that's a reflection of the last verse of the, the appointed gospel where Jesus says, freely have you received, so freely give. And I think another tie in there. But again, very much dealing with the, the subject matter and at hand as Jesus names and appoints the apostles and then sends them out to, to proclaim the kingdom. Yeah, thank you for pointing out those connections. Um, uh, the first one, sheep without a shepherd, I recognized immediately. But that's uh, thank you for pointing out that one at, at the end of the first Corinthians reading. That does yeah correspond in some ways to uh, freely you have received freely give that same attitude of uh, generosity. We've been given everything. We have nothing that has not been given. Um, therefore, we can be generous uh, with our, our labor, giving the gospel itself that we have received. Uh, Jim Tiefel, uh, could you start us off uh, thinking about this sermon text and how to preach it? The gospel of the day, Matthew 9, 35 through 10, verse 8. Um, just highlight anything you'd like, and then we'll take it from there and, and uh, comment on what you've presented. Well, it's, it's kind of, it's almost two separate sections. Verses 35 or 36 um, to the end of 9 seem to be a general commentary that Jesus makes over the entire 18-month Galilean ministry. So he, he, he looks back and he sees all of these people that he has addressed and all of these people that he has preached to. And, and, and he comments that they're, you know, that they're sad spiritual situation. And then he raises the truth that he is not going to be able to reach all of those people. And that the Lord of the harvest is going to have to raise up others who will carry on his prophetic office and reach out to the world with that, with that truth. Well, then in 10, then Jesus seems to be the first example of carrying out that message, that, that imperative. And that is he sends out a group of 12 specially chosen men um, and he authorizes them to go forward and preach, and he tells them where to go, and he tells them what message to preach, and basically he tells them, I want you to do what I did. I want you to follow my example and do what I did. So I think that, that both of those sections together pretty much divide the text as far as preaching is concerned, and then <laughs> perhaps present to the people who are sitting in the pews, here's a plan Jesus has for you proclaimers, because you are all his witnesses, and how you proclaimers work together with those that Jesus sends out into the public ministry. So that's kind of that's kind of the, the, the plan that we seem to see in this gospel. So in the in the first part of the sermon, I obviously you would stress the compassion that Jesus felt for these people. And in application, then you call attention to the compassion that he wants us to imitate. I think you challenge them 
um, we get all teary-eyed when we see a little girl on the St. Jude Hospital commercials who doesn't have any hair, and we're so sad for her because she has cancer. Do we feel the same sort of compassion for people who are diseased and dying because of sin? I think you can, you can challenge them to think about the compassion that they feel. Moving into the prayer, I think that the, the important part of Jesus' urgency toward praying to the Lord of the harvest is that only the Lord of the harvest can raise these people up, that they come from the Lord of the harvest. And so when I look at people who serve as pastors or when I work, look at the people who serve as public ministers or full-time ministers, I recognize that God is the one who sends them. God is the one who gives them. They don't grow on trees. They don't come up out of the ground. God sends them in, in a miracle. I think an application, you, you can talk about, about how God gently and quietly leads people to desire the ministry. I think another thing that you find in that prayer is that when you become absorbed in prayer, that leads to other actions. When you are absorbed in the activity of praying for, for more workers, then you begin to think about recruiting workers, your sons and your grandsons. You think about um, welcoming them and, 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 and supporting them. You think about gifts and offerings. So, so the, the continual prayer to the Lord of the harvest, who is responsible for giving them to us in the first place, leads us then to action. So I, that's what I would cover, I think, with the structure that I would kind of follow in the first part of the, the text. In the second part of the text, I think that there's a, there's a number of things there. Number one, you could spend a paragraph, a fairly long paragraph, talking about the apostolic ministry itself and how this was a unique thing and I mean, you, you can't let yourself get into apostolic succession or anything like that. But this was still a unique thing that Jesus, Paul separates the apostles from pastors and teachers in Ephesians 4. I, I don't know if I would do that. I don't know that I would spend a whole lot of time talking about those 12. I think I'd save that for a Bible class. But I think when you exposit the text, you point out, what did Jesus actually do? First of all, he authorized them to do what he did. Then he told them where to go. Then he told them the message to speak. And then he gave them the power to be able to validate the truthfulness of their, of their preaching with these, these miracles. But then I think I would go into application. And I would, I would talk about the reality that, that the, those who serve in pastoral ministry or those who serve in other forms of ministry are, are really the representatives of Christ. That, that matches what Phil was talking about in the second reading, that first verse from um, Corinthians, that the stewards of the mystery of God appointed by Christ to do this work. Jesus has expanded the location. Now it's not just to the people in Israel, but it's to the whole world. Jesus has repeated the message, and the message is to preach the good news. And while Jesus doesn't give pastors today, or we don't think he does, the power is to exercise or to heal or to, or to um, resurrect, 
he does give us the power of the word by which the Holy Spirit demonstrates the truthfulness of their of, of preaching by changing hearts. So I, I think that, that you could take this text and you could lay it before lay people who are also proclaimers and urge them toward the Savior's compassion and urge them to recognize where these ministers are coming from and in their prayers to urge them to, to, um, to action that goes along with prayer. And the second part, you can, you can highlight what these servants of Christ actually do as the messengers of, of the Savior. So I think, you, I think you can make two really valid points to the people who sit in the pew. And I think you do that kind of all under the, under the concept of this is the plan that Jesus has to carry out New Testament ministry. <clears throat> and, and then finally, the way I would close this sermon is freely you have received, freely give. To remind them, this is, you, you, when you were baptized, he wrapped his arms around you. When you were little, he shared with you the truths of his love. During middle age, he fed you with law and gospel through word and sacrament. He strengthened your faith. He forgives your sins. And now I preach mostly to old people. And now as we're growing older, he points us to a land that will be free of the aches and pains that we feel now. And so as you imitate the Savior's compassion, as you pray for more workers, as you learn to love the, the, those who work in, in, in ministry, Remember this, freely you have received, freely give. Thank you for that uh, walk through the text and a way to approach it and proclaiming it. Um, the plan that the Savior has uh, kind of outlined here, his compassion, um, the sending of workers. Uh, let's talk a, a little bit about law and gospel in the text. And Jim, you alluded to this already in your explanation, but um, what do you see as the, the malady, the cure uh, in terms of this text? Uh, Phil, could we go to you first? Yeah. So, and this is a big pericope and I just thinking about this, you know, trying, probably going to have to hone in on, on some part of it more than others. I know our, our uh, theme is steering us into this, the whole idea of compassion. And I, if you, if you run with that thread for a little bit, I think the challenge here is the way that that uh, Jesus' compassion extends to all, and and this is driven home right away in verse thirty-five. Uh, Jesus, where is he going? He's going to all of the cities and the villages, the the police and the Tascomas. and so it's not just you know he's not a uh, merely urban show, he's not merely a rural show, but he is going to all of them, and he's preaching the gospel and he's healing every disease and every affliction. So there's this kind of broad, all-encompassing, uh, all are the object of Jesus' compassion. And uh, I think about that. I mean, that that um, we might not despise or, or look down on some areas or think that they're not worthy of the preaching of the gospel or one area is worthy, more worthy than another, or that some people aren't going to listen to our message anyways, or anything like that. Um, I think that's probably a law element, uh, the malady that could come in here. Um, maybe I just feel that way because I'm in Madison and, and people 
roll their eyes about Dane County and act as if there's no Christians here or whatever, you know, but um, there's uh, so many people who, who, uh, uh, you know, hear the gospel and need to hear the gospel. Um, and it, if you ride that, this train of this kind of all encompassing um, Jesus compassion is for all. I think another, another place or way that you see that is in the, the variety of characters whom Jesus selects to be the 12 apostles, that they're not a uniform lot. And again, I don't, I don't think it's worth, um, like Professor Tiefel said, I don't think it's worth expounding at great length on uh, each of the 12 apostles in this sermon. But you can mention that they're not, they're not all cookie cutter uniform. You have the, the fishermen crew, um, and of them, even there, it seems like you know James and John and Zebedee were uh, maybe maybe a little better off than Simon and Andrew. But then you have you got to throw Matthew, who's identified here as the tax collector, and Simon the Canaanian, the zealot. So you know these are these are um, people, especially Matthew and Simon, two guys who would uh, not see eye to eye uh, in a lot of ways, and yet Jesus brings them together. And you know what what um how do you want to preach that? What do you say? Um, congregations, I think, need to hear that, that there's no one pastor who's perfect or who has it all, right? We maybe get our, in our minds, we get an idea of the perfect pastor. And sometimes the Lord, the Lord of the church has different ideas. He uses uh, a, a variety of gifts from a variety of men to get his job done. So those are some thoughts I had. Thank you, uh, Peter, adding to that. Yeah, kind of pulling on Phil's string that he was going there. Um, the two pictures that Jesus brings up with the people, both um, the sheep without a shepherd. So he, he sees them as, um, as inherently in need. And even as um, in, in some ways, I think we often will take people and think, simply think they're the issue, right? They're the issue. It's us versus them, where Jesus saw them very much um, as the sheep who needed a shepherd that are har- harassed and helpless um, however you want to translate the, that phrase, but the um, to think about the spiritual reality and all the things that are, are pulling against Christian faith, let us have compassion for these souls. And then also as the harvest, and he calls them the harvest, and to think of them not as a lost cause or as the problem, but as an opportunity. So I think there's very um, clear clear ways to get into the, into the law that way. Um, I sometimes, again, maybe it is this, this aspect of being in Madison, but I'll look around at certain people and I'm, I'm trained as an American to think of them as the enemy or, you know, the issue in my life. And I think even as pastors, sometimes we can be tempted to think of certain members as um, that the thorn in the flesh rather as the opportunity. Um, and so I, I think those two pictures of the, the sheep and the harvest um, as those um, that compassion. And I think that's also a, in the in the turn we can think of Professor Tiefel's, um, uh way to talk about it at the end. I freely you have given, uh, freely have received, freely give. Um, that's a, a wonderful phrase. We needed to realize that we needed to do. We needed Jesus to see us as those very things that He needed to see us um, not as problems to be solved or enemies to be eradicated, but He had compassion on us. And saw us as a harvest, a harvest of souls. And so that mm-hmm. tie into the last verse there can be powerful gospel. Yeah, Jim. Yeah, I, I, I think you have to kind of, I mean, when you're talking about the c- compassion, if you're if you're intent on preaching the law to them, and I think we should preach the law to them, 
then you got to then you got to really preach it. I mean, I could it could it be that we have all become so content with our life that our, with our own personal life with God that we forget about how devastating and gruesome it is to live and die without Jesus? I mean, <clears throat> we're not necessarily real good at that in the Wisconsin Senate. Um, you know, the the whole idea of of of, of willingly sharing the story of Jesus with, with other people. I mean, you, 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 serve, you serve aging parents who don't even witness the truth to their children. Um, and you, you see, you know, people who have close personal friends who purposefully avoid the subject of religion because they don't want to get into a debate. I don't think there's anything wrong with pointing, pointing out how terrible that really is, that that you forget, you forget what it's like to be without Jesus because you have Jesus. And I, I, I think, I think, don't namby pamby the law on, on that one. I think, I think you can say it clearly to them. Right. I would make sure I got to the gospel, however, but, but I mean, of course. Still. Yeah. Yeah. To really highlight uh, our jaded uh, attitudes and um, lack of compassion. Uh, either to that or moving on to the, the gospel cure for that, uh, we'd like to discuss that a little bit. Uh, Phil? Um, yeah, it's just kind of still running in law themes here, but but um, again, depending on where you're going with this sermon, some of this might not apply. But just thinking about this, the people are harassed and help, helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I mean, all of us Americans like to think that that we're original and individualist, but you know we're all looking, we're all looking for a cause or something to sink ourselves into. And and um, how many bad causes are there out there right now? You know that the the goal of a the goal of a pastor is is to shepherd the sheep in such a way that that um not that they follow him, but that their you know their eyes are fixed on Jesus. So I think that's mm-hmm. yeah. Again, I think that's what what um stirs up that compassion for all people. You know, without Christ, like Professor Tifel is saying, without Christ, you're going to look for something in in your life, and if it's not Christ, it's going to lead you down, you know, to places that are just going to make a greater mess of everything. So, I think that's a, an important point. Um, thinking about the harvest imagery is probably applicable for for pastors themselves. That our job is not to produce this giant crop; it's really just to go and get what God has has grown and, and is you know it's there for us. Um, we're laborers. We're not the ones who have to to figure out all of the details, but just go because it's there. The harvest is plentiful, um, lest we make too much of ourselves. I think is what I'm thinking there. But okay, so uh, yeah, remembering that we heard that last week, right? Uh, it is God who makes things grow, um, uh, and so we that's important to remember as well. Um, <clears throat> so the uh, the law. Uh, hits us hard when we realize that this compassion that was there in the the guts and the heart of Jesus um, is sometimes lacking in us. Um, how do we proclaim the gospel to our people, or what do we focus on um, textually to bring that message across? Uh, Peter? I think uh, Professor Tiefel mentioned it a little bit already, but this aspect of the, the movement, the, not only Christ himself, but that he's moved to send out workers. And that's, that's a result of God's grace. And that's the way that God, the means of grace, right? People, faithful pastors have shared that with us. And I think you got to be careful as you do this, not to, uh, yeah, you know, be self-aggrandizing, 
but to talk about how this this sending of ministers is an act of grace. Um, and I think that it's a kind of a special way to get into that aspect of the authority too, right? Um, the forgiveness of sins and, and the preaching of the gospel. So I think that's a, uh, an important way to preach preach about the ministry in this text as God's compassion is the reason hmm. we're standing in front of them that day. And I think it'd be we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that. Okay, so the mentioning the compassion as uh, at the heart of the gospel, the compassion Jesus has as he looks out on this crowd, and the compassion yeah. that he first still foremost, has. Yeah, first and foremost, Jesus' compassion, obviously that his he died for us and gave himself for us. But kind of a secondary aspect of the gospel is the the public ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim, yeah, and I think you can point out that the gospels are filled with examples of Jesus' compassion. When I mean again and again and again. And you have been the recipients of that compassion. You have felt it. You have experienced it. It has come into your lives on horrible days, on guilt-ridden days. I mean, I, that's kind of turning the gospel into a law, but I think, you can, I think you can make the point. You have all felt this compassion in your own lives. And now this is the compassion Jesus is calling on you to share with others. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, Phil, a comment to that point? Just, uh, yeah, to focus in on what this compassion is and be specific about it, that there's no greater act of compassion than than the proclamation, the kingdom is at hand, right? Yeah, we come with, we come with these means of grace. So uh, it's the forgiveness of sins from which all, all healing and good things come. Um, I, I think that's an important point. As Jesus sends the apostles out, this is their proclamation is the kingdom is at hand. And this is still the same. You know, we're obviously, I don't think it's a danger in our synod to get sucked down the social gospel route or anything like that. But I think it's it's worth drawing and highlighting that, that this is his great compassion for the world goes right to the, the absolute root of every problem and, and, and um, issue that's going to leave us harassed and helpless. Great. Um... The um, appropriation application aspects of a sermon on this, I know we've highlighted a bunch already, but uh, do you like to say anything further about them? Uh, what truths we want people really to grab onto, and then what uh, actions we pray that uh, will be the fruits of those truths? Peter? Yeah, so this was, uh, I had a conversation with a, a mother during uh she has a boy in our school who was interested in being a pastor. She was, came and talked to me because I had been encouraging him and uh, very uh, lovingly and gently she said that she just wasn't sure if she she could stomach the idea of her son being a pastor because of some things she saw perhaps in his future as far as persecution and things like that. She's, she was concerned. And we had a really interesting conversation. And I think that there are some, um, some encouragement needed for people to think about even in their own family and um, the people that they know to encourage people to be, to consider the public ministry and to see it as a, an, a branch of the gospel, not just something, boy, we wish we had more of these people because we're, we have a lot of vacancies. And uh, there, there is, there are aspects of the ministry that, that do, I think, people sometimes think of it as a burden. 
And as pastors, what a, a good opportunity again to preach about the ministry in this series on the public ministry, the, the holy ministry, uh, to bring out the, the blessings of, of sharing God's word and to encourage our people to see their sons and daughters as, as pastors or teachers. And I think uh, th this, this aspect of compassion provides a good way to do that. I know you have compassion. We've talked about this as, as the, the Holy Spirit's gift to us through the gospel, the compassion that's in Christ is in us. And now through that compassion, um, let's not only support gospel workers, but consider who in our lives could be um, in the fields themselves. Right. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And then it leads naturally into thinking about that. And I like how you couch that in terms of the compassion of Jesus. Uh, Jim? Yeah, I, I, I preach this text to two churches that are in the city of Mequon. The seminary is less than 10 minutes away from where they worship every Sunday. It's, it's relatively easy for them to understand the broader concept of pastoral ministry. They, they, they need to learn to do it better, but, but it's easier for them to understand it. I think of Lutheran, Wells Lutherans who live in Modesto or who live in Savannah. I mean, it's harder for them to think of pastoral ministry corporately. The, the whole idea of, of how people are, how, how people come forward. So in, in, in my church, I have <clears throat> I'm one seminary student who's a senior. Um, another one, the normal age. Then I have two seminary students who are members who are juniors and middlers. Then I have another one who's 57 or 58, a seminary senior. It's easy for me to look out at them and say to the people, look at the variety of people that the Lord raises up to send out into the world. And I think pastors who are in, in, in situations where the people don't know how that system works, right. I think it's important for them to, 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 to apply this text. You, you would be surprised to know how many different kinds of people end up at the seminary. Mm -hmm. And yet all of them have been led in a gentle, quiet way to give themselves to hold. You'd be surprised how many different kinds of gifts they had. And yet they all proclaim Jesus Christ. You know, you can, you can, some of them get called to tiny little country churches in the backwoods of no place. And some of them get called to foreign missions. And I can't, you don't say foreign missions anymore, into world missions. And some of them get called into mighty downtown churches. I think Phil talked about this before. But they are all preaching the same message. So I, I think it helps in the application of this text to talk about worker training corporately so that they see the whole picture. They see all 12, as it were. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I found that serving in outlying districts that... Um, especially with newer members or people new to our church body. Um, yeah, th these are good opportunities to say a few words about yeah, where pastors come from. Um, maybe in recent years with so many uh, vacancies and calls and things, there are more congregations who are a little bit more aware of this just because more people have been at call meetings or calling a pastor. But still, I think the need is there just to highlight that corporate uh, work 
uh, of calling and training workers. Uh, further thoughts about applications of the text or anything like that? Uh, Phil? Yeah, um, Jesus knows the names of those whom he calls to serve. You know, and I think there's there is comfort for the congregation in that that this is yeah he he holds all of these things in his hands and you, you know uh, here he he is specific in the call into in terms of where they are to go and that I mean so yeah at this point he says don't go among the Gentiles or the Samaritans go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel we know in in his ascension you will be my witnesses to uh, you know to the ends of the earth um, but still for any individual he knows the name of of the man, he also knows the name of the congregation, and um, it's by his grace that he joins these two together. I think that's a, a neat, a neat application, and again, it ties into that that broader theme of seeing this big picture of how how our call, our called worker training, and our call system all works together in this kind of quiet way to uh, accomplish the Lord's will and and take the the proclamation of the kingdom out to all the villages and and cities. Okay. Thank you. Um, so we've uh, kind of zeroed in on the, the main point of the text here, the, um, the plan of Jesus to send out proclaimers because of his compassion. Um, we've talked about uh, how we can use this text as an opportunity to uh, encourage people to share that compassion that Jesus um, creates in them through his compassion given to them. Uh, to pray for more more workers, to support those who are there. Um, any ideas for a theme um, or uh, how to divide the text? I guess we passed, uh, Professor Tifol talked about that a little bit. Um, theme ideas, theme and parts ideas, basic outlines. Would you like to share any that you're considering? Uh, Peter? So last week I had, um, because the Lord knows he calls, and then kind of keeping in that same vein uh, for this week, it would, because the Lord cares, he sends. And that kind of allows you the caring, the compassion, and the sending, more of the, um, the ministry aspect. So kind of talking about the two parts that we discussed as well. Okay. Good suggestion. Uh, Jim? I had... Um... The Savior has a plan for proclaimers. The first part was imitate his compassion. And the second part was follow his lead. The first part, compassion leads to the prayer. And then the lead as he sent out workers. So he continues to send out workers today. Thank you. Good. Also good suggestion. Yeah, the, the plan Jesus has for proclaimers. Um, anything further to help preachers out, uh, give them some food for thought as they think about preaching this text? Any further things to add? Uh, Jim? Yeah, I think, I think you have to kind of work on this, this these um, apostolic miracles a little bit and figure out in your own mind how you want to treat that. Jeffrey Gibbs has a big thing about um, even though we don't have any right to believe that the Lord's ministers still have, have power to do miracles, he makes a thing about, but the gospel still makes people whole. So he kind of applies that, you know, to make people whole. Mm -hmm. my, my take on the apostolic miracles was that 
the, the, the power to do miracles before the written word was present was the power to validate the message. And that's how I, I didn't talk much about it in the sermon. But I think you have to kind of decide in your own mind how you want to handle that mm -hmm. and how you want to treat that in application. Right. Yeah, that is a, a part of the, the last verses of the text. So <clears throat> think through how you will uh, explain that, apply it. Um, yeah. nope. And in keeping with that, I think it is, it comes up in this text because Matthew is very specific about how Jesus, first of all, he calls the 12 disciples, but then Matthew is explicit in saying these are the 12 and he uses the word apostles. These are the 12 apostles. So yeah, I mean, there is, you have to reckon with that a little bit. I think that's right. Right. The special gifts given uh, to the apostolic ministry, right? And uh, what that means for listeners today, uh, right? Differences or, yeah, I was going to say similarities. That's probably not quite it. But as Jeffrey Gibbs suggested, Jim, you pointed this out, kind of applying. Uh, it's the same compassion of Jesus, even if the gifts are different for the apostles uh, over against Christians today. And mm -hmm. just as powerful even though they're different. Right. Just right. as powerful. Right. Yeah. You, you know, that's, I mean, that's a, I think that's a good point, right? Like the, by proclaiming the forgiveness of sins, there is this <clears throat> ultimate healing and raising of the dead. Not again, not that it's our power at all, but, but um, this all is, these are the fruits of Jesus work, even though we don't see them instantaneously, we will on the day of his return. Good points. Uh, Peter, did you have a, an additional thought? Nope. Okay. All right. Well, let's wrap it up then for today. Um, again, preachers, God bless you as you talk about um, the compassion of Jesus. Highlight that in the minds and hearts of your people. Uh, and may that bear fruit in the form of his uh, continual sending with the gospel. Uh, God bless you as you proclaim the word.